hospital or police. My name is Matthew Kroll. Ah, you figured it out. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Run. Where are you running to? Where are you running? Who are you running from? That's the real question. Why are you running? When can I go running? Yeah, you you used to run. I, if I recall, you were sort of getting into running. I felt like it was something you picked up over the last couple of years. And then I bought a bike. And uh, then... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's funny. Uh, Jamie was getting me into running, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that I really enjoy if the temperature is perfect. Um, if it's too hot or too cold, I go all grumpy Gus, but if it's, you know, porridge just right, sort of like, I think to be honest, like for a good long run, like 50 to 60 degrees ish range, like where it's just a little, like a fall evening, I think would be my, would be my, uh, my optimal running. Do you run Shahir? I used to, I used to, but then, uh, Shahir got old and shit started falling apart. So I got plantar fasciitis in one foot. Uh, when that went away, I got tendonitis in the other foot and I felt like my legs were just like alternating between what was good and what wasn't so that it would just stop me from running every now and again. Fair. Uh, Um, so yeah, body was just going, no, no, you're not doing this anymore. Um, and I, honestly, I got scared of running because I would get so many injuries. Uh, but I did enjoy it. I, it was like my, it was my, uh, podcast listening time ah. uh, and i've switched that now to uh biking i, I is my podcast listening time you but dirty dirty danger boy uh, you yeah. you listen to headphones while you bike i do listen to headphones i listen to podcasts when i bike and i do put them on a very low volume so i can hear outside traffic and i've got those new airpods which have the transparency mode which i really like as well what is transparency mode? I feel like we're very off topic. Uh, we are very invested. so off topic, but this, it's, it's Thanksgiving. What the hell? Uh, transparency, it was Thanksgiving. It, it, it's Thanksgiving in our world. In the world of the listeners, it is beyond Thanksgiving. Sure, sure. Um, transparency mode on the new Apple AirPods, which you could buy. You could have picked up a pair for Black Friday for your stuffing stalkers, uh, was, is a mode <laughs> the in the new AirPods, which allows you to... Um, to it, it instead of uh, noise cancellation, it does the reverse, which is that it gives you kind of uh, an amplification of outside noise, so that you can hear what's going on in the outside world while you're listening to whatever it is you're listening to. For the for the for the introvert that still wants to ignore people but know what people are saying, or the introvert who wants to know where his enemies might be coming from. Or, and in your particular case, on a vehicle behind me, yeah, vehicles behind me. No, uh, I will say this: it is dangerous to ride with, um, uh, with uh, sound in your ear. I do tend to do it with podcasts only and in a very low volume. But that doesn't make it right, and I'm certainly not endorsing it. <laughs> But I, yeah, but but we are endorsing those iPods that we are not being paid to endorse. AirPods, AirPods, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely endorsing those. Actually, I think it was Jonathan Blade who does some tech reviews. Who I he he does a bunch of tech reviews, and I just reached out to him. And I said, AirPods, should I do it or shouldn't I? Because I had another pair of headphones that broke, and he said, Look, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, it's a no-brainer. It all it all fits. And to be honest, okay, AirPod plug number two. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> in my living room yesterday, wanted to sit down to watch Run. My wife was on a phone call in the living room, which she could not extricate herself from, so she had to basically be in the living room. Good verbiage. Yep. Put my headphones in, automatically connected to my Apple TV, watch the movie on my head, on the headphones. Not a problem. Like, you know how you with Bluetooth, there's sometimes that sort of syncing thing? Oh, 100%. Get, yeah. With AirPods, with, if you're on the, in the Apple ecosystem, uh, they're great. They connect to everything. 
So. Well, thanks <laughs> thanks for that glowing report uh, on AirPods. Yeah, yeah. That so now this episode Apple, has been brought to you by uh, by us getting ripped off by not being paid by AirPods. I know you've just you've you've left the Apple ecosystem, right? Uh, I, yes and no. I'm like I'm one foot in, one foot out, which I'm kind of comfortable with uh, at this point. I'm running, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing work with the PC, but uh, you're, doing you're doing my life with a Mac. You you're know? doing what with the PC? Sorry, I missed Work. That. No, no, before that, you said a word starting with R and ending with I-N-G. You're running with the PC. All right, that bit didn't oh, work. Keep going. I was going to try and swing us back. I was going to swing us back. Listen, it's late. It, yeah. Tomorrow's Turkey Day. We got. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to cover, namely a film whose name <laughs> is the name of another film that's coming out in 2020. If you if you IMDb it, um, there's there's another run. I think there's been a few runs, but this one, this this one's run. Uh, is the 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 Hulu I guess exclusive right now? Yeah. So this movie uh, directed by Anish Chaganti or Chaganti, um, I should be able to do that properly um, of all people, but um, uh, was slated to come out during Mother's Day, and then unfortunately because of the pandemic, uh, was uh, slated for an online release. Um, so uh, Anish Chaganti was the director of Searching, the movie that we both liked. I think in our mm-hmm. last was it last year or 2018? I no, I think it was last year because I went and saw it in Seattle after a PAX West, which uh-huh. would have been think around now? time has no meaning. I'm so sorry if yeah, I don't yeah. know that correctly. But that was the John Cho thriller that we I think I, I recall um I can't recall if it ended up in my top ten of the year, but I I I, I really enjoyed that film. Um thought it was um a, a wonderful debut. Um a really great example of writing beyond the gimmick as well. Um so I was very, very excited to see this uh follow up effort and uh for the listeners at home who may not have seen it on who streaming now on hulu <laughs> thank you this this episode is also brought airpods to you by hulu. hulu let's see how much we can sell out for no money this episode <laughs> uh could you tell us what run is about of course uh internet movie database sponsored by snapple uh does describe this film as a homeschooled teenager begins to suspect her mother is keeping a dark secret from her <laughs> Yeah, from her. From her. <laughs> uh, that is accurate. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, is this going to be a thing now? We, we we feel like we have to go through the accu- the Matt Kroll accuracy meter of the IMDb. Uh, well, I would like to point out that is this a thing now? <laughs> yes, as it has ever been. It I think every been. time I've read the IMDb description, I talk about whether or not it is accurate. Right, right. And, or, and... or effective, or both, or none. <laughs> um, this is accurate, though not effective, I guess? This doesn't, this doesn't, um, it's not, it, it, look, if we're going to review the IMD, if we're, not, if we're gonna have discussions about films, but we need something to review, I'd love to just review the IMDB descriptions, because this is effective in its um or it's 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 correct uh in what it's describing the film is but it's not effective in getting me to really want to watch it okay so um, i sent yeah. you a list of options for movies this week and this came out uh, by the way there's a lot of great um material mm-hmm. streaming this week um you know conversations about like are we missing out on movies i was just like and as i kind of like pulled together the list of potential movies i was like no there is a lot of great stuff uh check out small acts on uh on Amazon Prime. I was also really psyched to see the 40-year-old version, uh, yeah. which is, uh, I basically responded with either that or Run. Yeah. So what uh, was it about Run? Uh, you you hadn't heard of it up until that point, or did you, and what I was it, what was it hooked th- you in? 
I just hadn't seen a thriller in a while. Yeah. Uh, and I felt that was what I was in the mood for. Or uh, the kind of tonal opposite of the 40-year-old uh, version. Or the, the total opposite of Citizen Kane, which we just done as well. Yeah. So both both of those <laughs> fit that bill. And yeah. next week, of course, we'll be doing Mank, as you are ever so excited about. Um, uh, is, is it going to be? Uh, look, we're, we're so far off topic right now. It might not actually be next week because it comes out at the end of the week. Uh, so oh, Shahir, you know what that means. What does that mean? Hey, everyone, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. If we can't do Mank next week, I need you. This is me asking you to to activate for the podcast. I need you to email in and say, Dear Shahir, please let the podcast review jujitsu. <laughs> Thanks, so, Hart, so I, and then your name. So because I, that is what I I am I am all about that hot mess looking thing it does look a uh, look i have not seen a trailer for it uh i haven't looked at it, but i'm aware of its existence um i have a lot of jim carter vibes from it for some reason it's uh, it's nick cage yep. training people in jujitsu so he can fight or they can fight the spaceman who comes to earth to have the to kill the best fighters so he doesn't b- destroy the planet or something. Look, I don't know. It's like a combination of Predator and Mortal Kombat, and I am in it. Uh, Tony Jaws in it, so the action's going to be good. Is um, it? Is it? <laughs> I mean, Tony Jaws action will be good. Right. Uh, anyway, anyway, just write us in. I really want to do that one. I feel like this is going to be an episode where we go on a lot of tangents, and I think it's the it's it's the holidays, it's the the, the turkey, the fact that we're wrapping up work. Let's try and bring us back together to run. But first, a word from our sponsor, <laughs> Ocean Spray Cranberry Sauce. Do you want your cranberries but not in berry form and rather a, a gelatinous, wonderful shape with ribs in it? Get Ocean Spray. I <laughs> ocean. love I love ocean spray the candy. gelled Ocean Spray processed as shit cranberry sauce. It's so much better than, like, homemade cranberry sauce. <laughs> oh, and that's that, uh, that you get that one for free. You get that one for free. So we got like Apple. everyone does yeah. in right. this uh, right. exchange. But right. run, <laughs> you better run to get, <laughs> to get what is happening today. I don't know. Here's the thing. Um, I actually, uh, first thoughts, I guess, uh, I, I dug this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have one large issue which will come later, mm-hmm. but overall, I, I, um, I was impressed with the way it handled sensitive issues in a thriller format most of the time. So you're alluding, I'm guessing you're alluding to its depiction of a disabled uh, main character. Yes. I I mean, and, and, and it was, um, it was great to see that as a main character also not have it feel as though, Many of the trials and tribulations uh, that she goes through are based around the fact that she is disabled. Mm-hmm. And um, for whatever reason, and I'd actually, uh, I'd love someone who is not like us, someone who uh, deals with a disability in their in their life to write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you've seen this film, how you felt about the depictions here. Because I I thought and felt it was very respectful and never to the point of like, you can you can tonally go with this like if if it's a thriller and a character who is uh, who has a disability um, is trying to escape, you could really 
take a left turn and make that not something that I would consider um, tasteful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this movie rides the line fairly well of tasteful, again, except a, a specific part, which we'll get to later. Um, I don't know. I I, uh, I also really dug um, the it, – it, it gets you in the mood right away. Like the beginning of this film is like – it's funny. I, I almost started eye-rolling until I saw what they were doing. It like lists all of the um, – <laughs> All of a long the, list, too. All of the things um, that um, the main character has. And then at the end, it talks about a thing that says you can't, you know, walk, da-da-da-da-da-da, run. And then all the words, like you've just been reading for a minute and a half, fade away and just run is left in, like, tiny type. And I was like, okay. You did, like, it did, it turned an eye roll to, like, a real, like, oh, now I'm listening. Okay. Um I don't know. It was just a really effective thing. Also, the again, like any good thriller, uh, I loved the ping pong of the double lies. Mm-hmm. Like just the character. Like I love a movie that can keep me to a point guessing between like, oh, okay, who's really who's who's telling the truth and why and when. Right. Um, and I think this one did that quite a bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Sheer? How did how did you feel about uh, this? Uh, uh, second film from uh, the director of Searching. Uh, yeah, so um, I was impressed by it. I was very impressed by it. I think it is. I think, I think obviously the swing away from Searching, which was the first person screen film, um, you know, to into something that was more a traditional thriller, is uh, something that you would look at and go, well, can this ha- can this director handle uh, material in this way, in much more of a sort of Hitchcockian way? Um, and he knocks it out the park. He absolutely mm-hmm. does. Uh, Anish Chignati is 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 the absolute real deal, and. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, I was impressed with his direction more than I was impressed with the writing of the film, which I think is excellent, except for a couple of uh, things that I want to talk about a little bit later. Um, but uh, the you know, and I and I'm always in the mood for a thriller as well. So I think the uh, the idea of this sort of perilous relationship between a mother and a daughter, and the the nature of their relationship, particularly when it comes to uh, her disability and the mother's. Uh, capacity for navigating it and also whether uh, she has more nefarious plans I think is a great hook uh, worthwhile you know like uh, and worthwhile execution to get us through that I have not been on the Sarah Paulson train Uh, her name his name is Sarah Paulson Um, (laughs) but uh, you know like every time I turn around there's a new Ryan Murphy show with Sarah Paulson in it and I'm always like oh I guess this is this is where her bread and butter is Um, you know she's currently playing Nurse Ratchet in another American Horror Story uh, uh, version right now as well is that a spinoff of American Horror Story yeah American Horror Story Nurse Ratchet Oh, weird. I, I guess that's like a fr- such a franchise in and of itself. Now I don't know, like yeah, it's, a, what... it's and it's a huge franchise. Uh, yeah. Brian Murphy can seems to just spin out a new show every year. Um, so uh, I think she's magnificent. I guess the if we're coming to sort of overall thinking about uh, about it, I uh, this week I'd watched uh, David Fincher's Gone Girl again, just as a kind of a comfort movie. I thought it was a you know fun movie to revisit. Um, <laughs> that's your comfort movie? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. I would not call it comfortable. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Uh, is that by definition your comfort movie has to be something that's happy? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it has to be something that is not tense. I think for oh, me, really, oh, that's, um, that's, that's that's well. So, like, is that the same with comfort games for you? Like, you can't play Doom as a comfort game, or 
Uh, it like depends that. what the level of, I guess, comfort sort of is. I mean, or what, what comfort I'm looking for. But yeah. most times, yes, like if I'm hyper stressed, I'm not going to play a hyper stressful game. Okay, no, that's not my definition of why I would watch. A comfort, for me, a comfort movie is something that I just enjoy watching. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and so I enjoy watching uh, Gone Girl. I think Gone Girl is great. It is a great film. Um, so the but the but the thing that it got me thinking about was the nature of thrillers and how thrillers operate and what thrillers um, tend to do. And I and I sort of started trying to think about um, what a good thriller does for me personally. And I think obviously the the creation of uh, suspense, uh, suspense and and tension um, is really important. And you know, creating that sort of uh, raises edge of will they, won't they, and trying to see how, like, a character navigates um, uh, difficult scenarios is really, uh, it's captivating. It's, you know, thrilling cinema. But ultimately, what I thought about as well was how, for me, great thrillers will, well, a, a, a good thriller will, may or may not dispense with the villain by the end, right, for, for, for a satisfying conclusion. A great thriller may or may not dispense for the vil- uh, with the villain at the end. However, the conclusion may not be satisfying and will more importantly reveal something profound about either the human condition or reveal a profound truth. So when I thought of, you know, I think about Seven, for example. Mm-hmm. The ending of Seven is uh, the villain is dispensed, but it reveals an uncomfortable truth about the nature of the of humanity as as one character understands it. Uh, in Gone Girl, same deal. You know, it's the um, the the end of the film. Where, um, in fact, in that film, I won't give away spoilers, but the the villain, the antagonist of the piece, kind of gets away with it, and it reveals an uncomfortable truth about the nature of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, yeah, again, those are two David Fincher films I'm thinking about here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought a little about a little bit about using that sort of categorization about to to sort of think about Run. And 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 for me, the thing with Run is I think it fizzles out in its third act. And unfortunately, what happens is by the end of the film, you get an ending which is very satisfying, but ultimately kind of an empty calorie, um, which is that it doesn't. You know, it doesn't make me walk away from the film feeling any more about it other than, oh, that was very good. And and I again, I like this film. I think uh, Anish Giganti is absolutely the real deal. And I think he will go on to make, uh, you know, a hundred, you know dozens more films that are going to be uh, of excellent quality. There, There's a sequence in this film um, that I think uh, for anyone who has studied Hitchcock or Shyamalan or any any of the great or, or Fincher, um, you know, there's there's a sequence in this film that stacks right up against, um, you know, the great executions of thrillers uh, in any way, shape or form. It's, uh, without giving it away, it's a scene on a rooftop. Um, but for me, the film kind of is a little bit of an empty calorie by the end of it, um, which is that to say I really did enjoy it, but I don't walk away feeling that this is one of those great ones that I that I have to go talking about or whether I'll revisit or not. And it's a, you know, very subtle thing, but but we'll get into the the where I think that happens towards the end of the film. Sure. Um in this conversation. But again, very handsomely made, very smartly written. I you know what one thing I like about this film as well? Smart char- uh, characters always tending to act smart. You know, like all characters are all trying to do, uh, are all responding to the situations in ways that are seemingly rational and intelligent. To what their character is, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Now, granted, how those characters turn on occasion, um, I think, to get into the other headspaces to make decisions that they would be making maybe illogical for one person, logical for them, uh, I think gets a little bit too um, too easy, I guess. In 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 uh, Diane's case, in Sarah Paulson's mother character, yeah, um, I felt like she went. And, and again, her world in this film, as as her daughter is catching on to what is going on, uh, is slowly starting to slip away. Um, but I feel like that, like it's almost like she's holding. And I think this might be a a a, a, a an effective editing uh, or cutting scenes out, as as I'll get into in a little bit. But the the way that she goes from like smart something's up mom to uh total like lost her mind like a little bonkers um i feel like the speed at which is almost like between scenes and um it it wasn't it didn't feel gradual enough to me uh and it almost felt like she was a completely different character than ever before like i didn't see anything the way that she ends the movie not the very end but like the third act mom yeah i didn't see that character even remotely in act one mom huh Um, uh, that that's unusual because i think i saw hints of i'm keeping something from my daughter yeah but like it felt like a different character to me now granted characters 100 percent can change um yeah there just wasn't enough like tissue there, like uh, connectiveness to me. Uh, it, uh, it felt a little bit odd. Okay, let's 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 break here and go straight into spoilers then, because I think we I think we can sure. tiptoe around this movie as much as possible without dealing with the actual facts. Of it. Spoilers is brought to you by Comcast. Do oh. you like really <laughs> slow internet that's actually going to give you a data cap starting in 2021? Get Comcast. Okay, spoilers. All right, all right. I was going to bring it to you by Spindrift, but whatever. Oh, I mean, well, <laughs> well they can do something later. Yeah, Spindrift. It's a nice drink. Um, <laughs> although, maybe get a soda stream instead. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're really good. We're, really We're good, good at advertising. We're so good at this. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting point that you bring up about whether um, Sarah Paulson's character, Diane, was the the the, the version that is willing to inject her daughter with something towards the end of the film is not quite the version you saw at the beginning of the film. Whereas a combination of paint thinner and the only thing we could see is tar. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say it was a treacle of some kind. And all I could, all I could think about was that uh, she, at some point in the film, Googled household neurotoxin. Yeah. She's trying to brain dead her kid. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what is the, what is the plan here? Like, what is the thing? Make her more docile. I was guessing. I I guess. uh... (laughs) That has to be some medical, like that's a, that's a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was very curious about uh, how that was going to play out. But, uh, but, to, but to that end, to the point that you raised about whether that woman was the what you saw at the beginning, I think, I think for me, the, 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 the effective part of this film was understanding that, that, was, that the character at the end of the film was the exact same character at the beginning of the film, but she was confronting the fact that she was afraid that her daughter was going to leave her for college. So she was getting more and more, um, to me, anxious about the fact that her daughter wanted to leave. And so t- I guess I saw that change and I, and I saw that character right at the, you know, like when she starts, as soon as the trigoxin, I think is the drug that is introduced and we see that there was a, um, 
uh, a sticky label that was placed over the top of trigoxin. Yep. I was like, oh, this is a mother that is poisoning her child. And 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 the, therefore, ergo, you know, ergo, everything that happens after that point felt like this is the this is the kind of thing that a mother who happens to poison her child uh, would be capable of doing. I think that the, the difference for me was here's uh, and again, there's different levels of terrible. Yeah. But like the the level of character that she was playing in the beginning, I could see having the the delusion to like, uh, you know, give her daughter a drug that would not let her get better. So she would always be there. But that is much different than injecting a neurotoxin into because then like and like th- th- that's very different in my and granted. They're both horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just like, you're but like, like yeah, but like, cool. but again, no, like, no, no. You I, gave her I, a dog, dog. But, uh, I, I think there's two different types of characters that do those two different types of horrible things. But do you, like, could you see that the, the type of person who would take that first step to to. Also, debilitating your your daughter, which sure. I think is the implication, yeah, would I be think... capable of doing more terrible things. Yes and no, but like here's here's the I think that it's a congruence of of character inac not inaccuracies um uh differentials. Let's right. say another one is she doesn't want her daughter. So first and foremost, this woman Diane is hyper smart in this way that she is controlling her daughter's life and has been for a long time and has everyone sort of wrapped around her finger and like, like she has everything sort of, it's all good. She teaches high school calculus. Of course she's smart. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But here's the interesting thing. And, and this is, this is a, uh, (laughs) this is an unfair thing to leverage, but I think I'm going to do it anyway. If the goal is to have her daughter not go to college a smart person would know this, the level of intelligence that that she's put forward would know that the simpler way of doing that would be to say they can't afford it. Um, and like I thought that so there's I, and the reason I bring that up is did you watch the deleted scenes? I did. I did. I watched all three uh, of the first and scenes. foremost. All of those should have been left in the film. I fe- and, and, mm. and I, I liked that the director came on and was like hyper passionate about them. Mm. Which means that someone other than him told him they had to go. I, I could see why those deleted scenes got cut. The the middle one in particular, the one about uh, the the grandma one is kind of loose. Um, yeah. The the MIA burden was a great trailer line, yeah. but the emotional sort of tug of war after the internet thing, after the mom knows yeah. that she got up late to Google something and back and forth, and then she does a really poignant. Again, back and forth about lies, saying like basically. Long story short, if you haven't seen it. The daughter, uh, Chloe, notices that the drugs uh, are, are not uh, under her name. She finds out what the pill is based on a phone call with a stranger, which is a very fun scene. Also, side note, the phone colors that she calls on is the same colors of the pill. I like that sort of as like a uh, as a nod to like, uh, I don't know, be, be, being stuck in various ways. I also so then she once she kind of she basically confronts. No, how does it go in the deleted scene? She uh, the mom kind of catches her at knowing that the internet was down. She's like miming being on the phone with a technician. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, like, it's almost like the jig is up, but then the mom comes out with a really handy thing about money problems and, and being under her insurance. So she know that that's why these pills are underneath 
uh, her name and they're cheaper because they're supposed to be like an animal thing, even though it can be used on humans. She brings out a book. She does all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, when she did the whole thing, like times are tough, honey. And I just, I, you know, I have to do this thing. I was like, well, that's your answer. Yeah. But I, I, I can give you like a real direct reason why they would have cut that scene. Is, okay, is, sure, it, but that that doesn't. It, yes, please do. But then also, uh, it reduces the tension for the tension build up for the pharmacy scene. If she knows like what the drug is and is, has that whole thing diffused in that tabletop scene, the urgency of going to the pharmacy and breaking out and doing all of that suddenly. But gets the great diffused. part about it is, it's diffused only for a moment until she le- glances down at the book before the mom takes the book away. Even in that book, it's 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 a book for veterinary. Uh, I know, and she keeps drugs. focusing so, so in on it, and where, that's why she goes in. Whereas the reveal at the pharmacy is that it's a dog drug, like that she's been given a drug for dogs. So I'm just saying, like, I can see why that scene got cut, because oh. in, the, in in a thriller, the efficiency of getting to um, getting to the pharmacy scene is as is more important than if. Um, than some of the, than revealing those details early. I think that scene, the deleted scene, is far stronger than the pharmacy scene. Uh, to be really? honest, oh yeah, the pharmacist really? threw me. The pharmacist. I'm so sorry to the actress who is playing the pharmacist. But like with the high caliber performances that we were getting from uh, from both Sarah Paulson and uh, Kiera Allen, like to have you weren't feeling that, Kathy Bates. That pharmacist <laughs> just being like, "Oh dear, a game." Well. Yeah, hmm. I, I, I I love gay. I'm like, get, I, I, I couldn't get out of that scene quick enough. <laughs> I I I certainly uh, I I found the 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 reveal that she's into escape rooms as like uh, the way that the daughter kind of the way that uh, Chloe kind of games her into giving her the answer. Yes, a little bit of a far fetch, uh, but that scene is the also the escalation point to the second act. Like that's at the end of that scene, she gets drugged and wakes up, you know, like uh, locked in her room. So that is the, that is the escalation point. And, I, and all I'm saying with the, with the revealing the trigoxin thing in the middle of that dinner table scene is it diffuses, it, it, ta- it gives us more time before we get to the pharmacy scene. And the pharmacy scene is the escalation of events that leads us into the second act. I say cut down the pharmacy scene, put that scene back. I understand <laughs> maybe from a structural perspective once it was done, but like especially if that book was everywhere in that scene that was cut. You'll but... you'll notice that all three, I, I think both two of the scenes were tabletop scenes, like uh, dinner table scenes. Mm-hmm. So I think they were just trying to like, you know, pace out the the storytelling throughout that. Hundred percent. But that I I so I come to thrillers for those back and forth moments, and that scene that they cut was sort of a masterclass in back and forth moment, and that's what I like. So when when I when I when it was gone, and then it, I saw it afterward, I was like, huh. But it did make me think. There's easier ways to make your daughter stick. <laughs> oh, that's well. Okay, that's a good point. So if we but, were if we were to poison a child, but here, no, no. But, but this this is my point. This is my point. That is an unfair – so I'm not leveraging that as a fault of the movie, okay? Right. I'm leveraging that as another incongruity with the mother's character. That has. I don't think the, – the, the film itself right, is a right. thriller, so of course things are going to be a little bit – like it's never – Gone Girl's very close to being like almost perfect in that sort of like uh, it feels correct, but there's also issues. Like great thrillers ha- – you, you have to just have – suspend your disbelief for a minute. Um I'm saying specifically with the mother's character. It it was another incongruous thing. And the deleted scene reminded me that she's smarter than this. 
I don't know. I don't know. It was it was weird. Um, um, so no, well, I think you're you're coming to an interesting point. Yes, yes. In thrillers, there needs to be a suspension of disbelief in order, and and there are several scenes in this movie and several scenes in the movies that you know, like for Gone Girl, for example, where things happen conveniently in order for the movie to happen. Yeah. And and they are you know like thrillers are kind of an exercise in gamesmanship mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like laying out a story and then laying out laying out like. You know, Hitchcock always said the the best thrillers uh, are about the information you don't reveal yeah. uh, versus the information you reveal. And so it is an exercise in gamesmanship. Um, and how much you can get away with. Like, yeah, exactly. how much goodwill can you build up yeah. that then it doesn't matter that there's a convenience or two? Of course, of course. My So, but let's let's peel back here and look at the <laughs> the entire the game that Diane is playing sure. here. Uh, this this cinematic peelback brought to you by Jaquita Bananas. <laughs> um, always eat Jaquita Bananas because potassium will make your eyes stop twitching. Is that true? That is true. Oh, yeah. I got to I gotta get on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I'm the, sorry I derailed you. No, no, no. I was also going to say we could, we could, we could. I wonder if we could, like, maybe aim a little lower for our sponsored deals and find a potato peeler uh, brand or something like that. Oh, that sure. Sponsor because that's more likely to happen. Yeah, that's uh, fair. This this uh, peelback is being brought to you by Mr. Potato Head. Um, the <laughs> the game that she's playing is is the 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 human reaction that she's that she's endeavoring to maintain is keeping her daughter close to her. So I think the, mm-hmm. the universal truth that, that she's talking about is the same anxiety that John Cho's character is feeling in searching, which is the, the, the emptiness syndrome, the, the, my child will eventually leave me syndrome. Mm-hmm. Now in the case of Diane, the, the relationships that she's entirely built for her child is entirely manufactured. So she has limited, she, first off, she has taken the pretty heinous step of paralyzing her daughter, which I think mm-hmm. is, is, is pretty much you're on the you're you're on the second carriage to Crazy Town or well, like pretty much right away. Revealed before we don't have all this information at the beginning, but technically not her daughter. Yeah. Also <laughs> kidnapped her daughter. I'm just saying she's already the train has left the station as far as the, the steps to Crazy Town. Um so I'm I'm just gonna put that out there. The um She but, childnapped. Yeah, she childnapped uh uh she she saved, she protected her from that family. Um, uh, but, but, but I think the, the, the fear that she have of her daughter leaving is, is an entirely human one. We see her in that sort of class for mothers who are, or parents who are expecting their children to leave. And she pretends that it's not, it's, it's not bothering her. But of course the, the irony is it bothers her the most to the point of psychosis. And she has entirely gamed this out that her child will never leave her. Um, she will, you know, uh, make her sicker and sicker and sicker. And I think this is a very familiar trope um, in in thrillers. You know, like I think a little bit of um, it's kind of the inverse, but flowers in the attic, which is you know like the the the, the family stuck in the attic and and having to live there for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and of course misery. You know, yeah. misery is 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 one of the touch points for this film in particular. Um, so it, to me. I think that incongruity that you kind of mentioned is is just um, the situation is escalating her to beyond what she ca- what she's capable beyond what we think she's capable of doing, and at every step she's willing to take that to take that beyond the, the next step. And I I think what's great about a performance by the the performance by Sarah Paulson is that she gives us these glances or she gives us these moments where she she kind of looks and goes. 
she gives you this look, particularly around the mailman, like, fuck, I'm really going to have to do this. Like, yep. you know, like she wasn't planning to do that step, but I'm really going to have to do this step. Or when she's coming back from the, the drugstore with something in her car, she's got that look of fear in her face, which is like, how far am I willing to go to do what I have to do? But then she's willing to do it. And I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, um, the line is pretty clear that of, of what she's capable of doing. Um, which I, which I, which I certainly liked. Um, I, I did, I was confused by, I guess there was when we, when we finally get down to her master lair and, and there's like the entire, um, board of, uh, like her master plan laid out on a chalkboard kind of thing. And, and the truth conveniently labeled in a box that yeah, basically yeah. said the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the Kaiser Soze box of storytelling. Um, I was kind of like, okay, what is the plan here? Like what? So she's just going to paralyze her more. Is that, that, that was the, the thinking? I well, think? I think at that point that was the plan. Yeah. Uh, because but what was uh, the original plan? I mean, the original play was probably just to. Was she going to keep telling her? Was she was she just going to be like playing the mail off against her daughter? Like, ah, I guess we never got a response from the mail from your college application. So that's that. You're going to have to stay here for the next 30 years. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But again, I guess that's the disbelief going, uh, you know. Well, that's that to me is the. So I I, again, this is a a bad form as a as a reviewer on my part. But again, I just started gaming out what I thought was an interesting, you know, parallel to what was the what was Sarah, what was uh, Diane's plan versus Chloe's reveal or Chloe's resolution. And I found that jump to seven years um, in the end. And it turns out that Chloe now is married, has a child of her own, has reunited with her family, um, is helping other, you know, is helping other disabled children with um, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of information in that last five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, But then she's also poisoning Diane. Um, I found that to be such a strikingly odd choice uh, of, I mean, yeah, it it's that is a choice in my opinion that was like made for shock value <laughs> and nothing else. And 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 this movie it, it's it's almost like a um you you know me and movie endings and how they can uh you know be poisoned the lobster says hello. Um <laughs> but um this is not that but, but like it just felt, and again, seven years later, a lot can happen seven years, yeah. but like even the character that we're learning how they've adjusted, how Chloe has, who Chloe has become, yeah, does not fit with the poisoning of her mother. Like, well, I mean, again, I don't know that I could kind of see, I, I, it's not that the ending doesn't work. Like, I, I think it works, but, but I, I, I was like, but the interesting thing here is, you know, and again, I thought about this, this, this quote from Hitchcock. Hitchcock says something on the lines of the more successful the villain, the more successful the film. And in a way, what that ending shows is that Diane was completely unsuccessful, but yet, you know, and, and completely fails at everything that she wanted. And, and Chloe kind of wins. Whereas what I thought might have been interesting, and again, just hear me out here uh, as, a, as, a, as an exercise in you know, potentialities here, is as opposed to doing the jump to seven years later, is doing the jump to one year later when Chloe's in college and is feeling like, I want to talk to my mom. 
or and like is having that moment of like man i wish i miss having that person around and it's that codependency kind of mm-hmm. story and i and i think cuz that's sort of like oh it's interesting how you can get into these toxic relationships and they still that, matter to you. That would have been incredibly interesting had they had the time to explore it or in, in that way. Yeah, 100%. Or just, you know, just showing, instead of, the, instead of the scene seven years later, just one year later, and kind of opening that question, I think. I, I don't know. Like, again, I don't want to take away. I think the movie is really, really well done. But I was just kind of like, it's an interesting, what is the movie trying to say with that ending? I don't think it's, it's trying to say anything. Beginning? I yeah. think they're trying to get one more like, ha-ha! Uh, which, which, for a movie that felt overall as smart as it did, uh, I didn't appreciate. Again, it didn't ruin it for me, but I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I you know, with with um, with um the Hitchcock quote that you said, like the, the more successful the villain or whatever, I agree. I like that quote quite a bit or that, that, that theory, but this is the truth of it. Like, I don't think that applies here. Because the the goal of Diane was not to make a psychopath. The goal of Diane was to keep her daughter. So she yeah, failed yeah. in every goal that she had. Yeah, and she failed in, in those goals. That, and that's what I mean. It, whereas I think of the film and kind of like... Yeah, if like yeah, that's what that's my if point. If it had like, invested in the idea that Di- that somehow Diane, despite how terrible she is, had actually penetrated into something deeper in Chloe's soul, like yeah. I, you know, it's a it, what's you, you uh, what's the line from Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, uh, he may have raised you, but I'm your father, or something like that. But I'm your daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of. I'm thing, Mary is, Poppins, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the line I was really thinking about. But no, I think the reason why that line's important is because it it, it speaks to the, like the disconnect between who our biological parents are versus who actually raised us and who mm-hmm. we feel affection for. And I think that's it's sort of an interesting thing about the human condition that that we are kind of we are we can be bound to people who are terrible for us. Um, and And that would have been really nice to sort of see as a, as a punctuation mark. And we would have gotten that thing, but instead we got a scene to be honest, that felt like they should have just pulled an interview with the vampire ending and have guns and roses, uh, (laughs) play pleased to meet you. Like, (laughs) it's been a while since I've seen an interview with the vampire, but man, I love that movie. But what's puzzling you is the nature of my game. (laughs) This is when, uh, Brad Pitt finally, no, this Kills is when, when Cl- Slater uh, at the end. No, uh, uh, Tom Cruise does, and they're Tom, driving down. They're uh, driving down the Golden Gate Bridge. Was Tom Cruise at the end of? Yeah, Lestat. Who's telling the story in the car with Christian Slater? Well, he, Christian Slater's listening to the tape of Brad of Louis. Yeah, uh, that he just recorded. He's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it's real." Yeah, yeah. and then and then Lestat just shows up, and he's like, "Louis, Louis, always <laughs> whining, Louis." Um, Such a great movie. Such that movie's movie. that movie's Louis. bonkers. So yeah, 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 but that ending anyway. always like that that ending felt tongue in cheek, and in, uh, in that movie felt good. This felt tongue in cheek, and I was like, "Are you just gonna like when's gun when's a gun and Guns and Roses yeah, track?" It, 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 it's an empty calorie ending, which is unfortunate because the rest of the movie is not, and the rest of the movie is so good, so well executed. I I I mean, let's talk um, in detail about how great the rooftop scene is, because the rooftop scene is it 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 it, it basically puts this character in the worst possible scenario for this character and gives her the tools to figure it out. And, and not then, just the physical tools. Like we've set up that this, that, that Chloe is like fucking smart. Yeah. Like, she's smart, but, but she's also, she's not like 
ultra genius. She's just using the things that are around her, right? Like, and we know. I that mean, she's, she's pulling off some. Her. She's pulling off some Tony Stark and Iron Man <laughs> three some stuff. MacGyver move. Yeah, she's definitely yeah. MacGyvering some some situations. Which is great, but it's it's like I'm I, saying that as a compliment. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that as I'm not detracting. <laughs> she's. It's just. It's such a and it's such a like. Uh, what's great about it from like a storytelling point of view is that. There's no trickery to all of this stuff. It's it's very much like here are the parameters of what we like. She knows she's got to get from this window to this window. She knows she's locked out. We know she can't walk. We know that she has a soldering iron and some water. We don't know how she's going to use these th- two elements together. But also what's great about it is that through that sequence, we're also learning more about how far or how much over the line Diane has crossed already. Because there's like this great reveal in the middle of that where, where she's broken into, the, into that window. And just as she's crawling out, we sort of pan over and we see that the phone lines have been cut. Yeah, and you know, and it's like just this, this little bit of like extra information that's just happening through the scene. I think it's so well done. It's so in in the vein of like the best Hitchcockian moments. One thing about Anish Chiganti and Siv Ohanian, who wrote um, Searching, is like they're really, and this is sort of a weird way to sort of phrase it, but are committed to the bit. You know, like they're both in both in both instances that we've seen searching and this, they're really committed to the bit. Mm. Um, and I and I, I like that about them, which is that they've set up they set up the parameters and they don't walk out of those parameters. Instead, they work within the world of the parameters. Um, in the case of searching, you know, they, you never leave the screen and they figure out new and inventive ways to tell you stories within the screen. In the case of this, they, you know, for the most part, try not to leave the house but kind of set up the parameters for like how to make the house exciting and interesting. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the, her having to like, uh, I, I found it to be a really profound moment when she has to throw her wheelchair down the stairs <laughs> yeah. and then flip over into it herself. I was like, that to me was just uh, terrifying because I, I, the stakes were so visceral and so real and so immediate. Um, so I just, I find, I, I find that stuff really good. And, and like you said, I also really liked the, the, um, the gamesmanship of uh, lying to to one another, of of mm-hmm. Diane and Chloe lying to each other and figure out who said what to whom and how they're going to nap. You know, like when they're at the table and she says, uh, you know, we realized that she'd made a fake phone call to the internet company. And she goes, how did you know it was the internet company? And then she kind of reveals, well, I went downstairs to check, but, uh, you know, and she goes, was it? I don't know. There was no internet. You know, like it's just this really like, you know, tit for tat kind of thing that's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, and I mean, uh, another thing I really kind of liked uh, was the mailman, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah. The character of the mailman, not that, like, you know, is the pinnacle is it of... Pat of, Healy, of the, I think, is the actor? Yeah, but, like, it was really nice to see a character, like, kind of standing their ground in this thing. Because I feel like in a lot of films, it's funny, I'm sort of, like, holding this up against, like, straw men film, like, things I can't picture right now. But, like, the mom is pulling out all of the stops to the point of, like, oh... Oh, you wanna you, you wanted to take my daughter, uh, an older man with a young paralyzed girl, like da 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 da, and the and the uh, the man looks like the mailman looks like worried, but then he kind of stands his ground, both but both like stand ground, and he's like, yeah, there's no service out here, so <laughs> yeah, like like he, he just, just believes her, yeah, yeah, like so, and it's nice that like. We, he's like, okay, well, we'll go to the hospital and you can follow. Like, okay, okay. Then he comes back and does my quote from the beginning of this thing. He's like, hospital or police? And she says, police. Yeah. So, like, 
I don't know. That to me was really nice to see. And then of course it's a perfect setup because the mailman gets murked. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and at that point, I, I guess for me, the problem that started happening is that there's the no re- end game after that. Yeah, there's no end game, and the reveals are kind of what you expect them to be, and they're not more profound than what we're expecting them to be. I get, you know, like I, it's it's a weird way to phrase it, but I guess like we kind of know that the mother has been poisoning the daughter. Mm-hmm. We, I guess, the fact that she had stolen another child is kind of a is is a surprising reveal, but it's you know, on the one hand, I I. I suspected that the girl at the, you know, that the baby that we saw at the beginning uh, was either going to die or either, you know, um, was healthy and then had been made ill. So Mm -hmm. it didn't really feel like it was terribly surprising. And then, yeah, as we kind of alluded to already, the end game for Diane felt a little bit nebulous. Now, there is some, um, yeah, there is a backstory uh, about uh, in the deleted scenes where we, where it's revealed that she was abused by her mother or her mother had... Uh, she was abused by her mother and her mother had committed suicide in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some scars on her back that are never sort of answered. Yeah, I, I, I find all of that stuff is like... It's less Fine. interesting than the mystery. Like, like all we need to know is that this is a woman that was traumatized by the death of her baby. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's fine. You know, yeah. like, that, that kind of tells me all I need to know. And I think that's why they cut that scene. Because, yeah. like, you don't need that yeah, extra layer of, of information to have it be effective. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, but, like, yeah. but And, and as you say, there is, there's uh, elements of suspension of disbelief. Like, um, uh, why does she leave her locked up in, um, chained up in her wheelchair? You know, like, if you if you don't want your daughter to go anywhere and her main mode of transit, you know, like, is, is your wheelchair just take away the wheelchair kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, all that sort of stuff. But again, it's the real deal. You know, like, you know, the, the filmmaking team is the real deal. This is really well executed. As far as, like, a thriller you could get at home right now, you could do a lot worse. And yeah. And there's a lot in this that's terrific. And then the one thing that we sort of alluded to at the beginning as well is that, um, you know, I have become aware, rec- you know, more recently, and it's something that I think I personally am have been ignorant of is ableism in film and mm-hmm. thinking about ableism in film, um, particularly for people who um, don't see, the, A, don't see themselves represented and also don't see, uh, you know, like see the stories of disabled characters being mitigated uh, as uh, not normal. And it's something that I think I haven't thought a lot about, um, but I think, you know, films like this, films like A Quiet Place, um, you know, have made me think about that more. And I think that's a great... You know, again, uh, a, a committed filmmaker who, who or filmmaking team who decided that this was important and, you know, went out and found an actress, Kira Allen, who had never acted in anything before, who was a student at Columbia University, um, and invited them to kind of uh, not necessarily collaborate, but, but you know, like comment on the script and make sure that everything kind of felt uh, authentic and real. And I think that, you know, that's that's wonderful to see. And, and you know, I think that that can only be good you know like yeah. and what it is, is it opens up a story that i think would have been ordinary like if it could have been an entirely ordinary story but it's got these extraordinary elements to it and and those extraordinary elements make it worthwhile like like really worthwhile and compelling viewing yeah i mean i agree i i think overall um it's weird now that we've revealed everything to you, uh, sponsored by Squarespace. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if you haven't watched the film 
No, nobody's not watched the film and come this far in the podcast. Well, you know, some people might. Email <laughs> us in, onlymovepodcast at gmail.com. Something that might be interesting, though, is if you haven't, I would still probably suggest watching it knowing all of this. Granted, you won't have the <gasps> moments, but it, it is interesting. I think there's a lot sort of to chew on of sort of like micro reveals that you could be like, oh, I see that coming. Like there, yeah. there, there is... There is value in in witnessing this play out, I think, um, even beyond the shock of, of what's happening and why, especially after the ending. Yeah. Uh, the ending does uh, give my own – it not only poisoned the mother, but it poisoned me as an audience member. <laughs> um, brought to you by Strychnine. Um, so – yeah, I, again, uh, I think it's a great film that that uh, it's awesome that it's on Hulu. You can watch it, whatever. It is kind of sad that it didn't get to come into theaters as many films uh, it is sad about. Though, I don't know. I don't know if I – I don't know if I really um, – how do I put it? I don't really want <laughs> – I don't want this coming out on Mother's Day. <laughs> really? Why not? So wait, let's let's dive into this thing because because you mentioned also before like comfort films being uh, good vibes uh, or well not or... necessarily good vibes but like I I want it. Uh, well, so these are two very different topics. Let me tackle the Mother's Day thing first. I don't know. Like I don't. That to me feels the same level of gimmick as as or like or just sort of like cheesy like all right as the ending of the film when there's so much more here to look at and i don't want that to be the focus yeah um so that's that um as far as the um the comfort movie thing goes um you know it's just interesting for me personally thrillers and horror, and I know this is for a lot of people, not even you, you like Gone Girl for yours, for instance, you said, and many people relish in horror films to to sort of uh, unwind. I mean, uh, you know, but I don't. I, I like, I, I'll do like an action adventure or whatever. I, I like things that are... Um, easier to digest or you know beyond if it's if it's more complex to digest i would have to see it like a trillion times i think like that right but like but no no i guess what i'm saying is is that like for me what's comforting is seeing great filmmaking like that because it, and i think this is a this is an intrinsic difference in how we yeah. watch film we can both think about them critically and i enjoy thinking about them critically when i'm i'm sort of like when, like we do a show. I like doing the show. Yeah. I like doing prep work and 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 researching a little bit and sort of di deep diving into why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling about it. But it's also for the show, right? Like I I I want if I if I have two hours to just you know do uh, whatever. Like uh, I don't want to dissect the film. I just huh. want it to kind of like I want whatever it is to just sort of wash over me, especially if it's sort of like supposed to be comforting or background or wherever you want to put it. I think comforting and background for me are kind of similar, which and again, not for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, whereas I, for me personally, my thing is I, I love watching great, like, like I get, I get comfort from watching great movies. 
Like I, I just do. And I, and I, and I love like revisiting them and thinking and just thinking about them again. And you know, it's like, it's what I do. And I also like, uh, I've been trying to spend more time recently watching new films mm-hmm. that I like, or, you know, they tend to be older movies, but films but the I ones haven't, you missed. yeah, but it, films I haven't seen and just trying to round out things that I haven't seen before. And then finally, the thing that I actually am really enjoying right now is watching movies with DVD commentaries. You know, I miss DVD commentaries. That's very fun. And, and it's just like watching a film like Gone Girl with the commentary. I actually watched it twice, once with the commentary and once with out and it's just i i take great pleasure in that like there's nothing to me there's nothing better than like curling up and watching um a movie i love with the commentary or just a movie i love you know just pop it uh, in your airpods yeah, having a nice AirPods. having a nice cup of um nestle's hot of, chocolate of drift of uh, um, having a nice cracking a nice can of spindrift lemon flavor which will uh Get you through the winter months. Uh, <laughs> there is nothing about that that gets you through There's the winter months. Get through the winter months. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting though. Um, uh, I guess because I can see Run being a comfort movie. I really can. I don't see it in the same way that I I find Seven to be a comfort movie. But Seven, okay, but like I I think. Maybe even I'm just judging your criteria now, which is not fair. Yeah. But like, if you really like, just like it's the it's the act of seeing great filmmaking. I think this this qualifies. I think this has a, a few too many pitfalls for me to categorize it as like impeccably great. Hmm. But um, then uh, it's also unique in ways. It is. Yeah. There is there is a definite value to it, and I'm not saying I I would not watch this film again. I'm I'm just saying. I don't see this being something, even on the level, to be honest, of of a Gone Girl. What is your um, comfort movies then? I'm curious. What are the? Things I mean, that... all, easy stuff. Um, uh, a lot of times, like uh, to be honest, Kevin Smith films. Um, really? Yeah. I I uh, chasing. Amy I just rewatched comfort... Dogma. Um, which well, Dogma it... is one. Dogma is where I fell off the Kevin Spacey train. The Kevin Spacey train. I, yeah. I hope you fell oh, off sorry. a little bit yeah, different. Felt, yeah, um, sorry, the Kevin Smith train. Uh, this 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 review brought to you by Baby Driver. Uh, vroom vroom. The vinyl is still good, and you don't have to hear Kevin Spacey. Um, the yeah. I, so I think uh, those those are good. I tend to lean towards comedies or action movies. Um, oddly enough, but then comfort also has a different vibe to me. For instance, I would say, uh, or, or or actually more so, Jamie. Now at this point, but I would say. That one of my comfort films, though Jamie has sort of taken this crown from me, is Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Uh, Lord Which, of the Rings is something that, like, I'm just like, I'm in it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we still have to do a review of Lord of the Rings at some point. And I did revisit it for the first time in 10 years. Uh, and I have thoughts. Oh no! <laughs> I have thoughts, and it's it's making me very uncomfortable to like share these thoughts with people because whenever I do, they're like, "You're in New Zealand, all right?" Someone's you? getting deported from New Zealand. <laughs> now you have to stay in America. Congratulations! Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I was like, well, you, they're like, you, "You're an American. You got COVID. You're staying there, fucker." And you don't like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Uh, <laughs> this this podcast brought to you by Peter Jackson Shame. Oh, I was by Air New Zealand. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, look, I, I don't want to disparage Run. I think there's a lot to get and gain and enjoy out of watching Run, as I did. Uh, it, it, uh, it just didn't hit that level for me of, of, um, of like excellence where I would like, ooh, I want to revisit this again and again and again. Right. So, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. This right. has been the only podcast about the film Run. Brought, brought to, to you, you by Verizon, <laughs> uh, an internet company. By Verizon, yeah. 
No, that, actually, uh, I'm on RCN. Sorry. Oh, so, so it's oh, it's a, it's a dual sponsorship yeah, by yeah. Verizon, Verizon FiOS, and RCN. Yeah. Um, as we are speaking over their uh, interwebs right now. <laughs> um, Shahir, when you are not being comforted by Ben Affleck being gaslit, where can folks find you? Oh, you can find me horrified at the atrocities my wife is going to commit against me Ooh. on my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are walking from one side of uh, Mordor to the other, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me totally not knowing the way at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and P-S-N. And, of course, Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we do over at Extra Credits. We are in the middle of our End of the Samurai series, uh, which is fascinating stuff about the way that the military and, and the entire empire of Japan transitioned. Um, and so you should check that out. Also, by the time this comes out... I believe, uh, oh, we have a wonderful, another uh, a Japanese myth, uh, the Moon Princess Kaguya. Are you familiar with this? I am not. It's it's a fascinating like medieval magic tale that then all of a sudden it's like, nah, man, but then aliens. And you're like, what the <laughs> shit? It's really interesting. Uh, so, so please go check those out over at uh, youtube.com slash extra credits. And we have a great guest lined up for our Mank episode, but whether that comes next week or not, and whether we are diving into the extraterrestrial battle, kung fu battles or jujitsu battles of Nicolas Cage. I, I think I would, you know, what, which movie, which Nicolas Cage joint I would have liked to have done is Color Out of Space. Sure, we can do that too. I just want to talk about jujitsu, even if it's even if it's trash. <laughs> like, I, there's something about it that's gotten me more. This is the trashiest movie I've gotten excited about in a while. I will happily do it, but you've got to come armed with an entire thesis about jujitsu. You've got to come. You've got to come end this thing hot with an angle of why it's the greatest piece of cinematic art in the year 2020, why it's the uh, embodiment of Nicolas Cage as an auteur. By the way, did you see the New York Times article this week on uh, the, uh, the, 20, the the greatest actors of the 21st century? I did not. Uh, uh, but first of all... Nicolas Cage did not make the list, but of you course know who not. did? You know who, who did? Who did? Surprisingly very high who in did? the top five? It's your boy Keanu Reeves. Makes sense. Really? Yeah. I think there's actors of the 21st century. It is a, it is a, uh, I'd have to sort of, here's the thing. Gut. Yup. I'm there. And now I'd have to pretty much figure out a way why I feel that way about it. But I'm pretty sure I could get there given, given the time. Also, side note, side note, let's go back. I don't have to do shit. We can go on this podcast and talk about movies and I can prepare whoever I want. You're not my real mom. (laughs) If I was, I'd be poisoning you right now. So you wouldn't be able to walk out this door until you did your homework. And uh, came up with a thesis about Nicolas Cage. Well, I, I, listen, I want to make it very clear: Jiu-Jitsu is is about more than Nicolas Cage. Okay, so if I come if I come prepared, it's going to be uh, about the film itself and not just the uh, <laughs> auteur, the actor Nicolas Cage. in the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a small slice. He's a slice. And because guys, the movie seems like by... it would be pretty crazy, like me. <laughs> I thought this episode was brought to you by Jinsu Blades, when you need to really cut. 
to the is that a real knife company? Ginsu, yeah. I, think I would have oh Ginsu. Ginsu, yeah. Uh, you said Jinsu, and I was yeah. like, oh, is it a jujitsu reference? I would have gone with Cutco because I feel like they might actually sponsor us. If we're going for reviews of of our work today, I think we're a solid five out of ten for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is this is we went a solid off the five. rails. I yeah. think we're all in. Uh, we have a little bit of senior pre turkeyitis. This is this is being one of those episodes where I feel like uh, it's 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 an interesting one to revisit for sure. But I can't maybe wait for Man to listen to this in six years and be like, "Man, that episode still sucked." <laughs> Uh, um, but, but we'll see how it goes. Really not a good first entry episode. <laughs> really not a good first entry. This is the one I think I want to send sponsors for when we eventually get sponsors. I think this is the one. Just to say, look at all the range we can do. There's so many sponsors in this. This this episode sponsored by sponsors. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please sponsor our sponsorship of your sponsorship being sponsored. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.